0: book of Mark today. And as Jeff said at the top of the service, uh, we are uh, in the middle of a sermon series called Better Together. And each and every week we are looking at a different character, a person in the New Testament that God used uh, to grow and build and do some pretty cool stuff in his church. And I'm always reminded whenever I read uh, the New Testament uh, that God uses pretty ordinary broken people. And that's good news for me because you are looking at Exhibit A of broken and messed up and in need of forgiveness time and time again. And I hope that's good news for you as well, uh, because if God could use some broken, messed up people uh, in the New Testament to grow his church, he can use us as well. And so as we're going through um, the the New Testament and these different characters, we're really, as Jeff said, looking at what it means to be better together, growing uh, in uh, who God made each one of us uh, to be unique. And we're using this book called The Road Back to You um, as a kind of a a guide to, to move through our sermon series time together. And many of us have used, uh, leverage the, uh, online Enneagram assessment. How many of you have done the online Enneagram assessment? This is the interactive part of the sermon. Very good. Okay. Now I know some of you said, I'm not doing it because you're not going to pigeonhole me. You're not going to typecast me. You're not going to label me as something. Well, I got news for you. If you refuse to do the Enneagram online assessment, you are an eight which is a challenger. I just labeled you. Uh, So you might as well go ahead and prove me wrong. Take the online assessment. Uh, If you've got the book, there are bookmarks that tells you how to go online. Uh, There's a free assessment. um, And then there's one for $12 and I think one for $60. And if you just really want to know more, I think there's one for like $120 or something like that. But there is a free assessment And um, I just want to encourage you, uh, because we're spending nine weeks this summer going through each of the Enneagram types. Um, As I mentioned, uh, today we're going to look at another type. We're going to look at type three, uh, which is the performer, also known as the achiever. And the person that we're going to look at in Scripture is uh, the disciple James, Now, I want to be really clear on the front end of who James is. Many of us, when we think of James, we think of the book in the Bible uh, that is called James, uh, written by the brother of Jesus, known as James. That's not who we're talking about this morning. We're talking about uh, the James who was a disciple of Jesus. See, when Jesus was teaching early on, his brother James uh, thought he was crazy. He thought, no way is my brother Jesus, the Son of God. No way is my brother the Messiah. And so throughout the Gospels, while Jesus was doing his thing for three years, his brother James was gone doing something else. He wanted nothing to do with his brother. How many of us can relate to that, right? Growing up, yes? I don't know that guy, right? That was James, the brother of Jesus. But after the resurrection, James became so convinced that his brother was actually the Messiah, that his brother was actually the son of God, that he started following the ways of Jesus. And he wrote this book in the New Testament called the book of James. That's not who we're talking about today. We're talking about a guy who followed Jesus early on. And I think James was an Enneagram 3, a performer, an achiever. We're going to look at a great story today in Scripture where James and Jesus have this uh, remarkable interaction. Everybody on Mark 10? Okay, let's, let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, a beautiful day. Again, we thank you for the breeze. We thank you for your people and this opportunity to gather together. God, we thank you for your word, your holy scripture, which leads us and guides us as we navigate through life. And God, we also thank you for making each one of us unique and special so that we might serve uh, in this world in a unique and special way. God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. On the first day of school, when I was in 10th grade, I walked into Mr. Keelan's 10th grade biology class. And I sat down. I was new at the school. I didn't know anybody, so I arrived a little bit early, and I sat at uh, just a desk that I could find. I was kind of just doing my thing, waiting for class to begin. And just as the class bell rang throughout the whole school, in saunters this guy, and he lights up the room. He's got presence. He, w- he walks over. He's high-fiving people. He's a little bit on the obnoxious side. You know the type, right? And he walks in, and he sits down right next to me because it's the only empty chair in the classroom, and he says, hey, my name is John. And would you believe that over the next few years, John became one of my very best friends throughout high school? John was one of those guys uh, who was, frankly, a lot of fun. And while I was involved in uh, running throughout high school and sports, John was involved um, in stagecraft, if you will. He was involved in a singing, dancing, performing uh, organization called Showtime, and that's what they did. And whether John was on the stage singing or dancing or in the hallway or in the classroom or even outside the school, John was Mr. Fun. John was one of those guys that could just crack jokes all the time, and you never knew it was going to come out of his mouth. And, and frankly, uh, there are so many stories that I just cannot share with you this morning about John. It's just not appropriate. It's high school material guy stuff. But John, he was just one of those guys. He just he could light up a room. He just lo- loved to live in the limelight. And so when John went off to college at North the- North Dakota State University. He was studying engineering, but he learned uh, that there was a a tryout for uh, the mascot of the NDSU bison. And so John tried out, and pretty soon there was John wearing this bison costume, uh, Thundar. And for a couple years, he was Thundar the bison at NDSU. But John actually dropped out of college at NDSU because there was a a franchise in Minnesota at the time uh, opening up called the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they were looking for a mascot. And John applied. They had over 200 videos that were sent in, and yes, uh, John uh, uh, was chosen to be the first mascot uh, crunch for the Minnesota Timberwolves. After about a decade of dazzling people, and you got to know when there's an expansion in the NBA, basketball is not all that interesting to watch because your team is usually pretty horrible. Oftentimes people would just go and watch the mascot crunch because John could just, he could stand in front of uh, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands and light up the room. John was then invited to uh, move to Portland, Oregon. He worked uh, for the Trailblazers for a little bit, uh, but he really moved out there because he was uh, hired by Nike, a brand new uh, mascot that they wanted uh, to represent Nike. And so for the next several years, John traveled around the world as swoosh, and he performed in coliseums and stadiums, tens, uh, tens of thousands of people. And he just had them at his fingertips. John loved to work a crowd. He just knew how to to do this. And then after uh, a number of years doing that, John was invited to uh, go to the Cavaliers and work alongside this basketball player, LeBron James, for about a decade or so. And again, over and over, John just knew and loved to stand in front of the spotlight and draw people in and get the crowds really excited. John retired a few years ago from being a mascot. I don't know how that really works. You, you hang up your costume, I guess. And what John does today is uh, he's actually a, a consultant. He's a coach. And he travels around the country teaching other uh, collegiate and professional uh, mascots how to work a crowd, how to do their thing, how to be on a stage and just light up the room. Now, um, John, some of his very uh, best friends are uh, the, the guy in Phoenix, the gorilla. He knows the San Diego chicken uh, really well. He knows the, the, the Philly, Philadelphia fanatic, right? He even knows the um, you know all the, the, the big famous uh, mascots, and, and some of them, frankly, he's trained. Now, I know we might have some Cub fans here today. You might have seen the mascot out at uh, Wrigley Field, and I'm here to tell you, That's not a mascot. That's a dude in an outfit that just kind of walks around, right? Shakes people's hand and is a little bit wooden. That's not a mascot. A real mascot pulls all the energy, all the entertainment, all the spotlight on them and can just light up a room. And if you've ever been to a stadium, collegiate or professional, you know what I'm talking about. John is a performer. I think John is an Enneagram three. He's one of those guys. Everybody knows that John is in the room. And the thing about Enneagram 3s is they're also known as achievers. They're people who are very image conscious. And they know what everybody thinks of them. And they're always trying to work their image to make it look just a little bit better. I think James, the disciple of Jesus, was an Enneagram 3. They didn't have the online assessment back then, so I'm projecting guessing a little bit here. And James, the disciple of Jesus, did not start out as an Enneagram 3, a performer, an achiever. He started out as a fisherman. See, his dad had this famous fishing business on, on the Sea of Galilee. It was just Zebedee, James, and John, just the three of them. And they would be out fishing. They were a long, long away from Nazareth. But one day, uh, this uh, carpenter from Nazareth, about 15 miles away, shows up, looks at James and John and says, put down your fishing nets and follow me. And so the brothers, James and John, I guess Zebedee kept fishing, but James and John put down their nets and they followed Jesus for three years. He's one of the disciples, one of the 12 But James wasn't just one of the 12. He was part of the inner circle of the 12. He wasn't just a part of a small group with Jesus. He was one of Jesus' very best and closest friends. Many times we read in the Gospels, it says, Peter, James, and John went with Jesus and something happened. That's the James that we're talking about today. Not all the disciples went up on the mountain for the transfiguration. It was Peter, James, and John. Not all the disciples prayed with Jesus uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane at the end of his life. Jesus took just that small group of guys, those three amigos, and said, Guys, come pray with me. Yeah, they fell asleep, right? But nonetheless, that was James. He was in the inner circle of the 12. And then there was the day that Peter went to the grocery store or something. We don't know where he was. It was just James and John. James and John and Jesus. Let's look at the story in Mark 10. Then James and John, the sons of, did I say verse 35 or just in my head? just in my head. Okay, sorry. Mark 10, verse 35, starting there, middle of Mark 10. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Now, for most of us, this sounds like a pretty outrageous ask, right? I mean, who does that? Who goes to the Messiah? Who goes to um, the Son of God and says, uh, we want to be your number two and three guy? Well, in Enneagram 3, you know, a, a performer, an achiever would say, well, yeah, that's what you just do, right? Lines are meant to be skipped. You don't wait around for everybody else. You just jump in there and go. And that's who James was. He was an achiever. He was a go-getter. He was one of these guys just like, Jesus, I I don't care about everybody else. Make me number two, number three in your kingdom. What an extraordinary ask. And if you're not a three, you might be thinking to yourself, that's kind of obnoxious. That's really gutsy to go before Jesus and make that ask. But for an Enneagram three, that's just how they roll. Because, you know, you think about Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift didn't become Taylor Swift by sitting at home and dancing in her bedroom. You think about Elvis. Elvis did not become Elvis by um, uh, driving down the road singing in his car. You think about Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey did not become Jim Carrey by cracking a few jokes with his buddies. No, all of them became who they became performers, achievers, because they put themselves out there. They have this extraordinary confidence that the rest of us look at and go, whoa, who are you? And who do you think you are? I'm Taylor Swift. I'm Elvis. I'm Jim Carrey, right? And they're not going to apologize. That's who Enneagram 3s are. That's who the performers and the achievers are. You know, if there's any Enneagram that is celebrated more today in our American culture It's the Enneagram 3, the performer, the achiever, right? You think about the actors uh, in Hollywood. You think about the Broadway stars in New York. You think about the rock stars in Nashville. I mean, they're they're all performers. They're all achievers. But the interesting thing, of course, is that we live in 2020 where you don't have to live in California or New York or Tennessee because we've got the Internet, right? And if you've got a cell phone and you've got a selfie stick, all the world's a stage, right? And that's the world in which we live today, the world of Facebook, the world of Snapchat, the world of TikTok the world of YouTube, the world of Instagram, all the worlds of stage. And you just put yourself out there and you're like, hey, look at me, look at my life. And you just do your thing. You know, there's big money to be made uh, in being an Enneagram three. There's a group of guys, maybe you know them, they're called Dude Perfect. Anybody heard of Dude Perfect? It's just a group of guys, a group of dudes uh, who do these kind of sports tricks and they put them up on video and they've got about 50 million uh, viewers, subscribers who watch them do some pretty interesting 30, 60 second uh, video clips. And last year they made just $20 million doing their thing on their platform. I don't know how how they did that, but apparently you can make money doing that. Or there's another guy, a guy by the name of PewDiePie. Anybody know PewDiePie? Yeah, the, the boys know PewDiePie. For the rest of us, PewDiePie is this guy who does commentary on video games. So you're literally just watching video games online, and there's PewDiePie doing his thing, telling you about a video game that you're not even playing, that you're actually watching PewDiePie has uh, 100 million subscribers. Last year, his income was down. It was only around $16 million. Kind of a rough day in front of the the, the video screen, I guess. But you know who the most, uh, the the, the wealthiest uh, 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 platform Enneagram 3 person on YouTube uh, in 2019, anybody know? A kid in Texas. He's eight years old. His name is Ryan. He puts out a show called Ryan's World. And Ryan stands in front of a camera playing with toys. And he's got about 60 million subscribers watching him. And last year, Ryan earned $27 million just playing with toys in front of a video camera and putting it out there. Now, I might be a little bit jaded, but does an eight-year-old really need $27 million in an audience, a stage of hundreds of millions of people tuning in? I mean, how's that going to go for that kid? I don't know. And Jesus looks at James, and after James makes this extraordinary ask, Jesus says the same thing to James. Is that a good idea? You really think you want to be asking that? Verse 38. Jesus looks at James and says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. James has no idea what he's asking. I love the confidence that James have has. I love his enthusiasm. But this can be a problem for Enneagram threes. Sometimes they've only got partial information. They don't fully get it. And you know, if anybody should get it, it should be James. He's been with Jesus now for at least two years He's seen the miracles, he's listened to the teachings, he's watched all the stuff happened, and James still cannot make the distinction between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God, because in James' mind, he's thinking platform. He's thinking influence. He's thinking there's going to be a stage. Jesus is going to walk onto the stage. He's going to be king, and so I want to be right there with him. James has got it all wrong. Jesus says there's a big difference between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God, my kingdom. This is how Jesus describes his kingdom. He says, Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. James would not understand this until after he witnessed the the cross and the resurrection. It wasn't until a short time later that James was like, Oh, now I get it. Your kingdom is different. And you know, the, the ironic part about this story is that James got exactly what he was looking for, exactly what he's asking for. He did get to uh, taste the cup. He was baptized in what Jesus was baptized in, which is suffering, sacrifice, and death. You know, of the 12 disciples uh, who were all martyred, guess who was the first one to have their head cut off? James! James! He made it. And I can about imagine him standing there getting, you know, getting ready to have his head cut off. I bet you started giggling, thinking to himself, I made it. I'm going to be the second one executed. The first one after Jesus. This is awesome. I had no idea what I was asking for back in the day. To be second and third in the kingdom. This is the Enneagram 3. It's that old saying, careful what you wish for, right? You know, of all the types, there is probably no type of the Enneagram uh, that is more ironic than the three. Because you threes, you are a great gift to the church. You're a great gift to humanity. What you threes bring to the table, what you bring to this world, uh, is you make us feel good. You entertain us. You, you, you've always got the joke, Right? makes us kind of laugh a little bit, or we watch you and, and, and you got these extraordinary skills and talents. And we're like, man, I wish I could do that. That is so neat. And we watch you threes, you performers, you achievers, and you make us want to be better at who God made us to be. You, uh, you, you Enneagram threes, you achievers, you performers, you inspire us, I just want to say thank you if you're an Enneagram 3, if you're a, a performer, if you're an achiever. But the problem with you, uh, Enneagram 3s, your performers, your achievers, is you are without question the most ironic people out there. Because on the surface, you look happy, 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 right? You look so happy, and you and you bring so much joy and happiness to the rest of us. But oftentimes, an unhealthy uh, enneagram three, a performer, achiever, your things are really dark inside. You've got problems. You've got issues. And I can't think of anybody who kind of personifies this more than Robin Williams. Remember Robin Williams? Man, that guy could light up a room. could light up the stage wherever he went. He he was just hilarious, right? But inside, Robin Williams was dying. He didn't feel like he was worthy. And and, and Enneagram 3s, you performers, you are achievers, you are most prone to depression. Because while you're so busy focusing on the external, making everybody else feel good, inside you are really, really struggling. And so this morning, I want to close by giving you uh, Enneagram threes, something to think about, ways that you can move from being unhealthy into being a healthy performer, achiever. Now, we're in Bloomington Normal, right? So I don't know how many threes we've got here today, performers, achievers. There might be a few. If we were in Nashville, 80% of you would be performers, right, Jeff? Yeah. But if you're a three, here's what I want to share with you this morning and encourage you. Find a friend. Find a friend who is completely un or mildly unimpressed with your exterior persona. Somebody who laughs at your jokes, but somebody that can really be uh, you can be honest with, to reveal that inner darkness. Someone that you really trust, that you can share your failures with. And maybe if you're like me, you, you're not a three, but you, you know a three. Be a friend to a three. Because on the exterior, they look happy, happy, happy. But there's a good chance that on their interior, they are struggling, struggling, struggling. Be a friend. To a three. Second way for threes to move from being unhealthy uh, to being healthy is to receive the grace of Jesus Christ in your life. Receive God's grace. You know, threes spend so much of their time with a mask on, sometimes literally, but mostly metaphorically, right? They know how to work a crowd. They know how to get a reaction out of people. But threes, the performers, the achievers, they are some of the people that struggle the most uh, with God's grace in their life because uh, they know that even though this looks good, this inside is rotten. This inside is broken. This inside is sad. This inside is dying. And there's this strong uh, contradiction between their exterior shell and their interior life. And and they wrestle mightily with reconciling those things. And so when Jesus comes to a, a three, a performer, an achiever, and says, I love you no matter what. I invite you to surrender your, surrender your life. Uh, no matter what you do, uh, however you perform, I couldn't love you any more and I can't love you any less. The three looks at that and they're like, I don't get it. Because I find satisfaction in performance, in achieving, in doing things. So if you're a three here today, I want you to know that there is nothing you can do to earn the grace of Jesus Christ. He loves you exactly who you are. And no no matter how you perform on the stage or, or in your world, however that looks, Jesus loves you and he cares for you and he wants to walk with you and be in relationship with you. But in order for him to rescue you, to save you from your sin, you need to surrender your life. Stop trying to perform. And the third thing I'd like to say to, to threes this morning is to develop an inner spiritual life with Jesus. Oftentimes we think, you know what, I, I surrender my life to Jesus. It's kind of a one and done thing, Right? And now I'm going to go off and do, you know, do me, doing whatever I do, maybe going back out to doing the external, whatever that might be. And for the Enneagram 3, the, the performer, the achiever, you perhaps more than any other, because you're so spontaneous, you're so spur of the moment, you need to develop regular disciplines in your life disciplines of reading God's word, disciplines of a regular prayer time, disciplines of gathering together with other Jesus followers. You need to put structure in your life. And I know you're thinking, it's not how God made me. I'm not a structured person. And I want to say that's awesome. But you need to develop some discipline, and you might even need some accountability in your life for others to help you to become more disciplined in your walk with Jesus. Because here's the deal. You're going to forget about Jesus' love and grace for you. It's going to feel really good one day, just on that that one day that you receive it. But by tomorrow, you're going to forget already, and you're going to be off doing your thing out there, right? Right? So you need to develop some regular discipline of walking with other people, Christ followers, reading his word, coming to church on Sunday, making that a regular part of your rhythm, those spiritual disciplines. You need people to look at you uh, very regularly in the eyeball and say, Jesus loves you. No matter how you perform out there, he loves you. He's for you, and he wants to continue to heal you. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have made each one of us unique and different. And Lord, I, I, I'll just be honest. I don't understand the, uh, the performers, the achievers, those people that just dare to be out there and have that just almost superhuman confidence level of achievement and uh, getting things done. But, God, you made them, and they're a gift to us, and I certainly appreciate them. And so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, help each one of us to grow, either in our health of being a, a healthier performer, achiever, or being a friend to a performer or achiever. Because God, they offer the world so much and they need to be reminded of your love and grace in their lives just as you love us and pour out your grace on us each and every day. Equip us and empower us, Lord, to be your church, the church you've created us to be and want us to be so that we can truly be better together, better as individuals and better as a church community. To ultimately serve in your world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.